We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Brian, mailbag time. I don't this know how is going to be have, but... shortest mailbags ever because as of right okay. now, I think we only have like three questions. I got to go find another nice. one. Uh, nice. But we'll go ahead and start off with uh, fighting our fighting Mike eighty seven. Fighting Mike with starting to kicking us off. Should Maris Loifal be a semifinalist for the Buckets Award? That doesn't make sense either. He's not even the best linebacker on his own team. Well, Ryan, I'd like for you to take that in reverse order if you could. I'm curious to hear your opinion on this. Number one is, do you think Maris is the best linebacker at Notre Dame this year? And number two, do you think he should be a semifinalist for the Buckus Award? He is not the best linebacker on this team in the entirety of the season. There's been probably like two or three games that I would say Maris was the best linebacker on the team. But in the entirety, I would say that J.D. Bertrand has been the best player on the team from the large scope of the season. And no, he should not be a semifinalist for the Buckus. I don't think any Notre Dame linebacker should be a semifinalist for the Buckus. I, I, I think that the award people must just be looking at flash plays, right? Like Maris makes a play, some plays sometimes where you're like, oh, all right, I see mm-hmm. that. Like that looks like an NFL player, but it's just the inconsistencies, obviously, that have plagued Maris Loyfow throughout his career. So, uh, fighting Mike, you are correct in your in your opinion, though. It, to I agree 100. percent Maris Leifel should not be a semifinalist for the Buckus Award. He has not been the best linebacker on Notre Dame for the entirety of the season, and I don't think he's been one of the best linebackers nationally. So I would agree. That one, it, it really did kind of shock me. It's like, how is he a semifinalist for the Buckus, but Audric Estime is not a semifinalist or a finalist for the Doak Walker Award? Like, I, I just don't it understand. Must be it. Must be a really weak year in linebacker play, I guess. I guess. I don't, I don't I know. I guess. It just... But it's like you could even you can't even look at at stats. In you know, Maris Lufau is eighth on Notre Dame's team in tackles right now. I, know. I, I mean, know. JD he's got thirty. He's got thirty nine. JD Bertrand's got sixty nine. Like I just don't understand. And JD played one less game. Like there's just not. He's got three and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. So JD's got sixty nine tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. And again, in fewer games. I just don't understand. And this isn't a knock to Maris because for the most part this season, Maris has been a good football player for Notre Dame this year. He's, he's been good. You know, I just, I don't understand how of all the awards, 
that like Xavier Watts is not a finalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, but Maris Leofow is a semifinalist for the Buckus Award. It just doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. It really doesn't. I think someone said it in the chat too, and I would agree. It's just proof that some voters or a lot of voters maybe don't watch the games, right? Like they don't actually watch the games. Maybe and if they do watch the games, I think they just see the flash plays. They don't study, obviously, the players that they're voting yeah. for. And I would say that that is correct. He does have some of the best hair in college it's football. great hair. So maybe hey, that, man, maybe I tell you, man, like in his highlights – and his highlights are impressive. Like the plays that he makes, you're like, oh man, that is the most athletic linebacker on that team. But it's the inconsistencies, obviously, and the production is yeah. not very good. So, yeah. Yep. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Next right one is uh, similar to uh, that as far as awards, but a little bit of a different uh, different take. US MA87, what should Jared Parker and Marcus Freeman say to Audric for why he's not a Doak Walker semifinalist? I'm just say, buddy, got screwed. Yeah, That's I mean, what, what are you, you going to say? I mean, it is what it is. I mean, like it's it's because it's not like Jared Parker and Marcus Freeman are at fault for him not being a semifinalist, right? right. Like he, they don't vote for that stuff. I mean, it just right. is an unfortunate circumstance for people overlooking him for whatever reason. I mean, that's, that's the state you're in. So, yeah. Yeah. There's no reason he's not, he shouldn't be. I mean, you know, at least the semifinalists. Yeah. I mean, yeah. finalists, like we can talk right. about that. Right. But like semifinalists, like 10 to 12 guys. Yeah. And he, he should be in that car. Like, do I think he should be a finalist if we get down to three or four? No, probably not. Probably not. I mean, there's probably just, yeah. there's just other guys that have had more dynamic seasons and, and, and Audric didn't really, Played great in some of their bigger games. He played great against NC. Or he played well against NC State. Had that big eighty-yard touchdown, but he was okay against Ohio State. He was okay against Duke. He had that big run at the end, but before that, hadn't done a whole lot and didn't do anything against Louisville. Yeah. So uh, you know, he was good early against Clemson. I mean, you know, and then late, not not as good. Didn't do much a whole lot in pass pro in that game. So, I mean, do I think he should have been semifinalist? Absolutely, should have been semifinalist. It just, it's, it's just, I. I like part of me wonders, like, is this like an anti Notre Dame thing, or is Notre Dame's PR team just really bad at marketing their guys? There, there, there's something to there's something to that too, Ryan, because you you got to sell your guys to the voters, correct? Don't you guys get stuff from from 
schools about their you know, you because you vote yeah for oh yeah people, Brian, people, right? people send me emails of like you know this is all his awards highlights yeah. and this is well, his production and these are school records and all that type of stuff yeah and that's got to be helpful because hey you're sending me the data i need to study to kind yeah. of you know to break this down and and so to me yeah it, maybe that's the problem i don't know that that's the problem but some of this stuff is just weird yeah. it really is just weird it's hard to figure yeah. out very strange you know? but when you look at the season that like ollie gordon is having when you look at the season that amarian hampton is amarian hampton's having a really quietly north really carolina season yes yeah yes from north carolina uh the schrader kid from missouri is having a really good season I mean, there's just some other guys. Damian Martinez is a is a really good football player. He's a beast. Yeah. You know, there's just some guys that are just having better years, honestly. And they've had, you know, some good games and some of the big moments. I mean, Ollie Gordon, uh, you know, went for a over 130 against K-State, which was a big game. Went for over 100 against Oklahoma when it was a big game. I'm, you know, I mean, so it's not just the – the numbers it's also putting up numbers in some big moments you know i mean even this past weekend amari and gordon they, they lost to clemson but that dude went for 178 yards and two touchdowns average almost 10 yards a carry yep. you know went for 169 against duke and then you look at audrick and audrick didn't sniff 100 in that game went for a buck 97 and a win over miami you know so you look at some of those guys and and they're just they're having bigger better numbers but they're doing it in bigger moments. I mean, the Schrader kid went for 148 against Florida last week. He went for over 200 against Tennessee and went for over 100 against Georgia, over 100 against LSU. He, he also know. had over 100 yards receiving against Tennessee, I believe. Yeah. Also with, yeah. With the Russian yards. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. He went, he was a two, he was a two, it was a 200, 100 game for him. 205 rushing, 116 uh, receiving on five catches. So, I mean, he, he, he shouldn't win the Doak Walker award to your point, Ryan, but he absolutely should be considered one of the 12 best running yeah. backs in college football this year. There's no question about it. But what do you say to him? Hey, man, you got screwed. But don't yeah. worry, next year when you're making a bunch of money and you get drafted over most of those guys on that list, you know, yeah. you, you'll you'll feel better about it. Right. I think this question, I think they're just trying to mess with us. This All right. Is a- uh, Robert Nishihira. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong, Robert. That was my best chance, though. Any chance of a Brian Kelly statue at Notre Dame? Uh, no. no. I mean, it's very simple, guys. You want a statue? Win a championship. Yeah. Every person's got that, including the new Muffet McGraw statue. Muffet won two national championships at Notre Dame. Yeah. So Kevin Corrigan deserves a statue at Notre Dame before Brian Kelly does. So uh, we, we can make Brian Kelly a bobblehead with a scowl on his face and we'll yeah. leave it with that. Leave it yeah. So absolutely not. He does not. Yep. And, and I think anyone that, whether you dislike Brian Kelly, like I do, or you like Brian Kelly, the standard is the standard. The only coaches that have statues at Notre Dame are guys that have won championships. Right. It's pretty simple. We had Matt Booher said, I wish Austin, Ashton Craig was getting another start. I thought we wanted to play the best players. Ashton is an upgrade to Zeke. Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree based on the one game he played. I also think there's merit to I'm a I'm a person who doesn't believe you should lose your starting job to an injury. Zeke's sure. been a really good leader for this team. Zeke has had a good season, not a great season. Uh, I would actually really like to see Zeke playing a game next to a guy like Billy Shrouth. Honestly, you know what I would do this weekend, Ryan, and it won't happen because Joe Rudolph seems to love Pat Coogan. I would slide Ashton Craig out to guard. 
he's practiced a guard this year too. He's not just a center. He's considered he's listed as the backup to left guard as well. I would sit Pat Coogan and and with Zeke Carell coming back, and I'd play Zeke at center, and I'd have Billy and Ashton flanking Zeke Carell. That's what I would do if you want to. If you're talking about not playing someone, because I think Zeke Carell's been better than Pat Coogan this year, my opinion. And so if you were if you were looking to keep Ashton Craig in the lineup for another game, that's what I would do. Now I don't know if they'd want to do that because his future seems to be at center, and you right. want to get him to work there. But you know, if you're talking about making a change to get your best five on the field. I still think the best five involves Zeke Carell right now. You know, I just, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm sympathetic because I, I think Ashton Craig looked good at the end of the Clemson game, and I think Ashton Craig played pretty well against Wake Forest. Yeah. I do. Matt, all, all I'll say is I, I feel, I don't even know if we call it frustration, but I would like to see Ashton Craig continue to play. And at the end of the day, it sounds like Zeke Carell is going to be the starter as long as he's good to go. So that's the reality we have to live in. Do I think that the future of Ashton Craig at center is very bright? Yes, I do. Would I like to have seen him again? Yes, I do. But I, I think you hit on something, Brian. It's like it, Zeke Carell has not been the main issue on offensive right. line, right? Like, I don't think he's played particularly well in some games, but he still hasn't been a disaster. That's true of every other player. offensive lineman not named Joe Walt. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I also think there's something to – Again, when a, when when a guy does everything right, you got one game left. If he's healthy, play him. But I still I but because here's the thing, Ryan, I would play it. I would start Zeke, but first chance you get, I'm getting Ashton in the game. Like that's sure. the thing. And honestly, if Notre Dame does what they need to do against Stanford, Ashton Craig's going to play as much as he would have anyway, which is a half. And then you pull your starters, and you know what I mean. Like that's that's kind of thing you hope, but. Uh, it, it would have been nice to see him and Billy side by side for another game. That's just as far as looking forward. But I also think I'm I'm, I'm very reluctant, Ryan, to just dismiss and put aside the kids that have invested five years of helping you build to where you are now. Right. And and that that doesn't mean sometimes a kid doesn't deserve to get benched. I just don't think that's the case with Zeke right now. And you know we'll see. But I, I think they can both play. It's just easier to me to start Zeke and then bring Ashton in for whatever reason is something I'd rather see. Now, Marcus Freeman said he expects Zeke back this weekend. But as you know, Ryan, concussions are a weird thing. And every kid responds to them differently. We've seen kids miss multiple weeks with concussions because they because what basically happens is they run tests and your body has to respond to those tests in certain ways. And if your body doesn't respond to those tests, you don't get cleared. So we don't know that for a fact that Zeke is going to be there or if he's going to have another setback. But that would be my thing with Zeke Carell. I'd say to him, I was like, Zeke, man, you, you had, I think this is the second one he's had. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to keep you safe, man. You know what I mean? And and that's true. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that as like spin to not get him to play. I'm saying that's true. You start messing with head injuries, especially late in his career. I don't know that I'd want to go there. But um sure. If he's healthy and he's cleared, you know, he he I think he's earned the right to start the last game of the regular season. And then you can make a decision about the bowl game. We had another question from NC Notre Dame fan. Brian, how would you feel about Marcus Freeman hiring David Shaw as an analyst? He also has experience in recruiting the same type of kids that Notre Dame does. Uh, I, I we talked about this in the mailbag on Monday, Ryan. I I, I don't know 
if David Shaw wanted to come as an analyst, great. Uh, he's not going to – I mean, he's got a pretty good gig going. I, I don't think David Shaw has any interest in being an analyst for Notre Dame. What I said in the show, Ryan, is, guys, it's not analyst or nothing. Sometimes it's analyst or bring a guy in for a weekend, a week, uh, a couple weeks, put him up at a really nice hotel in town, or you go out there to see him for a week and and sit down and, and just open up everything to him. Let him see your film. Let him watch your practice stuff. Go over your practice plans. Go over how you game plan. Go over how you put your play sheet together. Go how you put your practice plans together. I mean, just open up everything to him over the course of a couple weeks and pick his brain. Uh, that's absolutely something that I would do. And I think you get get as much out of that as you could of bringing him on as an analyst, to be honest with you, it, because I just don't see him wanting to do that. I don't, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, um, yeah, I just, I don't think that's going to be, that's going to be the case. So I personally would search for that. I think that's a more productive fruit, potentially fruitful conversation for Marcus Freeman to have than trying to bring him on as an analyst. Uh, just want to follow up on some of these other, other questions. I'm sorry. Some of y'all, I just, I disagree with this sloppy Joe says you don't win. You don't win or compete for championships with a Zeke curl starting on your offensive line. That that's just absolutely not accurate at all. Uh, you know, Zeke had some moments this year. Yeah. He's had some moments this year. Has he been a solid player this year? Yes. I have seen far worse players starting up for championship teams than Zeke Carell. Come on, but Let, let's not do that. Let's not bash a kid that's been a solid football player for Notre Dame the last couple seasons. I mean, there's a reason Harry Eastam put him in the starting lineup and moved Jarrett Patterson out because he's a good football player. And he was a good football player for Notre Dame most of last season as well. He's been a solid player this year. Not as good as last year, but that's been true across the board for this offensive line. But no, we're, we're not going to do that. We're not gonna we're not gonna bash a kid and say things like that when it's just not accurate. I I can point to a lot of kids that have been worse starting players in the offensive line than Zeke Carell. No, we're not we're not doing that. Um, Keith Wiegand says, "Are the coaches staying on the West Coast after the Stanford game for recruiting?" Uh, some will. I, I don't know that they all will. No, I don't. I don't believe Notre Dame does that like they used to, where they'd have like eleven guys kind of going on the road and. Uh, um, you know, kind of recruiting ten guys on the road, recruiting the West Coast. I, there'll be some. I mean, Notre Dame will probably stop in and see some of the commits. You know, go see Logan Saldate and you know, go see Kingston and some of those guys. I would imagine that they'll they'll have some guys like that, um, and see some of those guys. They're going to go on the road. I just don't know that you're going to stay on the West Coast for all your guys, you go see your commits, you go see a couple of the uncommitted kids, you swing by the schools with some of the 25 kids. The other thing is it's, it's unique is a lot of the kids that they're recruiting right now are guys that are in the 25 class that you can't, you can't talk to, you know, so you can go to their school, but you can't talk to them. So uh, it's a little bit of a different animal because with the Intel that Ryan put on the board yesterday, Notre Dame's pretty much done in the 24 class. There's like a couple kids that, that they're working on behind the scenes that, you know, that, that we'll see if anything comes of it, but unless they can make some movement with a couple of those kids that, that, uh, you know, like I said, whose names aren't out there just yet, they're pretty much done in 24, which changes a little bit of the dynamic for the West coast thing. Cause like that's lost its luster years ago, because by the time you get to the last game of the regular season, your class is done. So yeah. you, you get on the road the week after, and it's more about going and seeing your commits, making sure everybody's squared away. You're less than a month away from signing day now. You know, do some of your in-homes with your assistants. 
and then follow up within homes with Marcus Freeman. So that you'll see more of that stuff this week, I, I think. Uh, this or excuse me, next week than than everybody staying on the West Coast and just hitting the recruiting trail. Because I've said this before, Ryan, but like you know, back when when Brian Kelly was doing this early in his tenure, it's because there were still eight, nine, ten West Coast kids they were trying to close on. Sure. And 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 now it's just like, dude, their class has been done for a while. Yeah, it has. You been. know, and um, it's just a little bit of a different. And you can't just get as much out of visiting the the junior kids as you can the senior kids because you can't sit down and talk to them. Yeah. So I, I think you'll see the staff hit the road and go see all the all the commits and 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 shore that stuff up. I believe that's what they did last year after USC. Ryan is is they hit the road and because you can do kind of two in homes. You can do your in home with your assistant coach, and then you can do an in home with your head coach. And and different things like that. So so you can see mul- see them multiple times in their homes, but the head coach can only go once. Yeah. So it'll be more so about you know the he- Freeman will probably get to a couple kids, but it's more about the assistants getting out and seeing all the committed kids. That's the focus right now. Make well, sure everybody's ready to go and signing in December. Well, I know the 2024 kids have already started to have those meetings with the coaching staff and you know just kind of fir- and the recruiting staff and just kind of firming up obviously all the. Signing day plans. So, yep, that's that yeah. process is definitely in. It's definitely working right now. That process. Yep. Uh, here, here's one, Ryan. Uh, not sure if the styles mesh, but what about Josh Gaddis as an OC candidate? Oh or new story for him and a better gig than his at Maryland now. I, I uh, guys, I don't know why anyone would think. And and Patrick, I I mean no disrespect here, but what in the world has Josh Gaddis done to make anyone think he's a better coach than Jared Parker? I mean, he got fired after one year in Miami, and um, I don't think anything he's done this year in Maryland should make anyone think he's – I mean, Maryland's not even averaging 30 points a game, Ryan. They're yeah. averaging 28 points a game on the season. They're 6-5. and five. I, I mean – And they have some offensive talent, too. They're rushing they for 106 score. yards per game. That's it. 106 yards per game. So, I, I have no – no, no. Notre Dame's offensive coordinator is Jared Parker. And if that changes, then we'll talk about guys to go after. But I can promise you one name that will not be on the list for me and better not be on the list for Marcus Freeman, or I'm going to really question his ability to evaluate offensive coaches, is Josh Gaddis. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not the way to go on that one. Yeah. So, Ryan, I we the, the question that you missed when you had to step out was this on about David Shaw as an analyst. My point was David Shaw is not taking an analyst job. However, yeah. I think there's a lot of merit to bringing him in for a week or so and just opening everything up to him offensively and saying, here's what we're doing. Talk to us. Where can we get better? What are some things we're missing? Because even yeah. though he had lost a step a little bit as a head coach, that's still one of the best offensive minds in college football, in my sure. opinion. And you can't uh, dismiss I, the success he's had as a play caller, play designer, co- coordinator, and all yeah. that, even before he was head coach. I I mean, I, I would be comfortable with a, having a couple different guys in that same vein, you know, come in and be able to do that. And I would not be opposed to adding a really good analyst to continue to help build that. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, I think there's several guys. That would, sure. But study. the point is yeah. he's not going to come to Notre Dame as an analyst. It just, sure. It's not going to happen. Agreed. All right. We had a question for Ben Tarnowski says, where does the search start for a new strength and conditioning coach? How is it determined who is good? Health of players, culture, etc. Do y'all have a name you'd like Marcus Freeman to target? I don't really have any names. I mean, the only name that I know about specifically is David Ballou, who's at Alabama. 
who was at Notre Dame under Matt Bayless for a year and before going to, to before taking the Indiana job, then from Indiana took the Alabama strength job. That's the only guy I know. I don't know of any others. I, I I'm not an expert on that, but I, I it's kind of one of those yeah. things where how do you know it's good? Number one, overall injury history. Like, does your team have a lot of injuries? Are they the same kind of injuries? Like, if your team has a bunch of concussion problems, that's not on the strength coach. If your team has some torn ACLs, that's probably not on the strength coach. If your team has a bunch of shoulder injuries and quad injuries and hamstring injuries and you know back injuries and and neck injuries and things like that, that's a strength coach problem. You look at how teams play in November. You look at how teams play in the trenches. When you see a pattern of consistency from year to year to year to year of teams are physical, they maximize the team's explosiveness. You see teams that perform well at the combine every year. You're going to look at, at what their strength coach is doing. And sometimes it's not the strength coach. It's just they recruited a bunch of really dynamic players. Sure. But when you look at Penn State over the years, you know, they're a team that you look and say, man, like they're an, a weird team because they always produce these combine warriors, but then they're not a great trench team on the football field on Saturdays. It's, you know, so, you, you know, maybe that's not a guy that we love because, yes, maybe he'd help our guys in the combine, but we need a guy that's going to help us win, you know, the trench warfare in November. That's something that Matt Bayless's programs are all, they were ever for, since Matt Bayless came to Notre Dame, Notre Dame's been a great November football team, right? Yeah. So, and culture's part of it too. You'll talk to players. So, those are different things you look at injury history of players, types of injuries, um, do how players develop from their freshman to senior years, what kind of body transformations you look at. Sometimes, if it's a guy that's at a place and you recruited a kid that's at a place, so let's say you're, you're looking at, at David Ballou, for example you know more about him. You you kind of have a better sense there. But let's say there's another guy you look at who you don't know as much, but he's coaching and you recruited like five kids that are on that team and you look at them and you're like, man, he's those kids are all way big, better than we thought they were going to be. They've really maximized them. That tells me something. There's all types of stuff like that. But it's just it's like a position coach. What is he responsible for and how do the players perform in the areas that he's responsible for? You know, sure. if your team has a bad offense – that's not on the strength coach. If your team's not a physical football team, that says a little bit more about the strength coach. But then you even got to look further than that and say, yeah, but what if it's the style of play? You know, there's all types of things you can look at, right, to evaluate what makes a good strength coach or not. Um, where is the search? I have no idea. But those are the things that Marcus Freeman needs to be targeting, in my opinion. You can't just be looking at the thesis paper they wrote about what they believe. And from a sports science standpoint, you got to have someone's, you got to look at the results. I don't care what you believe with, you know, about what this, 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 or this in theory, when you put it to practice, what are you getting from your players? That ultimately is what matters to me. Yeah. I, I think a track record, obviously, and, and a deep belief system in how you're going to get there. I mean, again, that's always a process versus results thing, but also you need results because of that process. So that matters all. I'm not a, and I'm sure Ben, I'm, I'm, I'm positive that Notre Dame is probably already doing their homework behind the scenes and making sure that that is a top priority for them going into the off season. I don't know anything about strength coaches around the country though. The only strength coach I know, I, I know Baloo because Brian mentioned him already before, but Jeb Smith, who is a strength coach at Northern Iowa is one of the best strength coaches in the country. In my opinion, he does a tremendous job every single year of taking raw kids on the FCS level and building them up quickly in terms of some athletic freaks. He does a lot of great stuff. I mean, would he ever be a guy that Notre Dame would be on Notre Dame's radar? I have no idea. I'm sure Notre Dame's going to scour 
pro scout, the pro strength circuit. I'm sure they're going to target some college guys. I'm, I have a deep confidence that Notre Dame is going to do a very in-depth search to find the best possible strength coach. I do believe that that will happen. I hope. I certainly hope so. Yeah, yep. certainly hope so. All right. We had another question from Shamgel. Shamgel asked this last night on the board. When was the last time Notre Dame returned as much skilled talent with experience as Notre Dame will return next season? That's a good question. I mean, the closest that I can remember is really probably 2018 because you had Chase Claypool had played a bunch. Chris Fink had played a bunch. Miles Boykin had some good experience late in the season, obviously. Dexter Williams had played a bunch. Tony Jones had played a bunch. Ian Book had played a little bit the year before. Alizé Mack had played a bunch. Cole Komet was a, a good, you know, rotation guy. As a tie. I mean, probably the closest. 2019, I mean, you lost Dex. You lost Miles. Um, you lost Alizé. 2020, you lost a bunch. 2021, you were pretty inexperienced i mean this year you were pretty young at some positions it's been a while ryan i would probably say yeah probably say 2018 it's probably the last time you you brought but even then you're bringing back way better numbers at positions this year than you did that team that that's the thing that stands out to me ryan is there's a lot of guys on the offense got to prove themselves a lot that have got to prove themselves but if we're just talking talent and that's the question was was just talent there's more top to bottom talent on this team than we've seen in a long time. Right. Right. And that's part of the reason the numbers on offense are what they are. It's, you know, it's like Jared Parker's probably going to set an all time, is going to probably be the OC for a Notre Dame team that sets an all time record for points in a season and points overall. And he deserves some credit for that. But the other part of it is they've got a lot of freaking talent. And when they turn that talent loose, every time they've answered the bell. And when it's turned loose and well, once I think the Duke game was probably the one time that I didn't think the talent really, you know, did what it needed to do. Maybe Louisville, but I still think that was more of a, a coaching thing than a player thing. But there's a lot of talent coming back, man. I mean, running back. Here's a question was asked yesterday. Take coaching out of the equation. What's the most talented returning position group on the team on offense next year? It's probably running back. Yeah. That's what I said too. But then you're like, you know, tight end's going to be loaded. Receiver's going to be loaded. Offensive line's going to be really talented. It's just all young. It's really young. But like, and even quarterback, like guys, there are, there have been years where there's a lot less talent at Notre Dame than, than a Kenny Minchie, Steve Angeli, CJ Carr quarterback room. The problem is that's one area where you're not experienced, but those other positions, like all the, the struggles that Rico and Jaden and Tobias went through this year, if they're coached and developed properly are going to be benefits to them next year. Right. And same with Braylon James. And did you see Braylon James smoke that cornerback on that touchdown pass to Jordan Faison? I go back, go back and watch that play killed that guy off the line. Um, But yeah, there's going to be a ton of talent. It's just, can you harness it? That's the, like Ryan, I don't care. I don't want to hear jack about inexperience next year. This is college football. I watched Clemson win a national championship with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. Like, I don't want to hear jack about the offense taking a step back next year because you were too young. I don't want to hear jack about that next season. No yeah. excuses, especially with the schedule they play next year. No excuses for this offense not to keep building. None. Well, that that was the most exciting part of the last game was that it was 
all like I talked about it, all the wide receivers you saw make plays, all the tight ends you saw make plays. Outside of, you know, obviously Audric estimated the skill position just in general, like all those guys are gonna be back next year. I mean, like all can come back if they want to, I should I should phrase, right? Like Chris Tyree can come back if he wants to. You have Gene Thomas, although he didn't play much, he can come back if he would like to. You have the obviously the young kids, the Rico Flores is the Jaden Greathouse, Braylon James, like they all can come back. Like every one of those players, Jordan Faison, like all those guys, tight end room, you know, the Eli Raridans, the Holden Stace, the Cooper Flanagan's, Mitchell Evans returning from injury. All those guys have eligibility, right? Which is why you get excited about like, yeah, you're gonna have, most likely have a young quarterback that's gonna be taken over, but it's not like he's going to be starved for talent to throw to, right? Like, it's not like he's going to not have guys around him that can make plays. So I think that is one of the one of the, the nice things about this win against Wake Forest, more than anything outside of just having a dominant victory, was you saw a yacht of young kids, I think, take a nice step forward and show that they have legitimate potential to be dudes down the road for Notre Dame. And that's exciting, man. It's really exciting. This episode of the Irish Breakdown podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you're laying in bed at night with your mind racing a thousand miles per hour and you just can't sleep? Like when you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. When you get there, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Irish. Chief Brody asks... Who you got between Michigan and Ohio State? I've never been this invested in a college football game that Notre Dame isn't participating in. I get that. I get that. Um, Ryan, I, I've got I've said it. I'm there's I picked Ohio State this offseason. I haven't seen anything over the last month that would make me change my mind. I think Michigan's finally tested for the first time and they showed that they're a good football team, but they're a, a good football team that's not a great football team. Ohio State has had their moments this year where they didn't look like a good but not great football team either. I think the one difference is Ohio State is heating up at the right time. And they're getting healthy at the right time. That's the other thing for me is they're getting healthy. And what we saw from Travion Henderson this last two games is like, okay, that's the guy we saw as a freshman that had kind of disappeared for a while. That since he came back from the injury he sustained against Notre Dame has looked like a different player. In his last four games, Ryan, he's he's average. He's gone 162, 128, 63, 146, and he's had five touchdowns in the last four games. Matter of fact, he's had a hundred yard over hundred yards in four of his last five games, one of them being Notre Dame. Then he missed three games. So I, I just I still believe Ohio State's the better team, in my opinion. Uh, I think Ohio State, to me, their offense matches up better against Michigan's defense than Michigan's offense matches up against Ohio State's defense. That's kind of how I see that game playing out. As long as your house State defense is healthy, I should be. I should clarify: they're getting healthy on offense. Their defense has been a little banged up the last couple of weeks. But what I don't know, Ryan, is like did Tommy Eichenberg sit because they just didn't want to take a chance of him hurt, or is he just genuinely couldn't play? 
that could factor in because if you take Tommy Eichenberg out of that lineup, that changes things a little bit for me. It's like taking J.D. Bertrand out of the Notre Dame lineup. He may not be a great player, and Tommy's not a great player. He's a good college football player, but he is very important to that defense. Very important to that defense. And when I mean not a great player, man, he's not a top 15, 20 NFL draft pick, in my opinion, type of talent. Sure. You may disagree with that, Ryan. I just I, 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 I never saw that from Tommy. He's a really good college football player. So they're yeah. gonna need him healthy. So that that's my take on it. I don't think it's a, it's not a surprise to me that Michigan's offense in the last two games, and they played real defenses or real teams, has been under 300 yards of offense the last two games. That doesn't surprise me at all. Ryan, you've been banging this JT JJ McCarthy's overrated drum all year, in yeah. my opinion. So anyway, I shouldn't lead you. What are your thoughts on this on this game, Ryan? I still think Michigan wins. <laughs> I mean, I I, I just I, I don't know. There's something like, and it's not as much analysis as because I do think that you make great points. Like I do think Ohio state matches up in certain areas that I think is different than last year, but there's just something, man. Like, I don't know. I just, you think they're a team I, of destiny type of thing. Just kind of like, no, that not a team. Of, no, not a team of destiny. I wouldn't put it that far. I, I just think they have the blueprint for being Ohio state. And I know Ohio state's improving in certain areas, but I just don't, I just, they can't utilize part of that blueprint anymore, Ryan. <laughs> well, no, well, hey, I, I know we could talk about the the self scouting and everything, and people are like really touchy about that. But like, Michigan still beat up Ohio physically State physically up, the yeah. last two years. Like, they yeah. still beat them up. I mean, that has nothing to do with self scouting. It like yeah. I watched Aiden Hutchinson just run circles around yeah. offensive tackles. Is that self scouting, right. guys, or right. is that just him being a better player than what you had? I mean, that's just sign stealing. Sign so, stealing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still going to take Michigan. I think it's going to be a competitive game compared to what we've seen the last two years. I think it's going it's to gonna look, to me, it's going to look like an old school Michigan Ohio State game, uh, much more so than what we've seen the last decade. And what I mean by that is I see like a 24 21 game, 27 24. I don't see this being like the, the, the high scoring game where the winner gets 40 plus points. I could be completely wrong on that. Uh, but I just, I'll say this if a, if a team that, if the team that wins this game scores over 40, it means Ohio State dominates. Because yeah, I don't see I don't, Michigan don't, capable of scoring over 40 points, points in on Ohio game. State. I don't, I don't see it. 40 points in this game. I don't no. see it. Um, it here's, strikes me as like a 20-something to 20-something yeah. game. Like, that's kind of what I see. In I this, think though. Ohio State can beat Michigan in the trenches with their defense. Because I think this Michigan offensive line is good, but it's not as good as it's been. My, my concern, my only concern in this game is I still, even though they've ran the ball better in recent games, I still have concerns about whether or not Ohio State's offensive line can move, can run the football against the Michigan D. That's that's my only right. concern about this game. If they can just be okay running the football in this game, I think Ohio State yeah. wins. Because that I Michigan, do. that Michigan defensive line is it's good. That it's Mason good. Grant, yeah, and Grant inside, they're big dudes. I they're thought good. they shouldn't have had him for the first half. I I thought they were going to boot that him for targeting. Against Mar- oh, Mason Graham, yeah. yeah, it was it was a questionable yeah. one there. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were going to do it, but they ended up not doing it. I couldn't believe um, I couldn't believe Talia got up. Man, he got some. Yeah. so I was like, holy yeah. shit! And somebody <laughs> asked, he is not a quarterback option. I would look at if I'm Notre Dame. Talia? Absolutely does he have, not. Does he even have eligibility? Like, does he have eligibility so. somehow? I huh. believe so because I because I think he's one of those kids that um, is impacted by the COVID eligibility. Because he gotcha. was a um, 27. No, he's a 20. No, that's Tua. Sorry, Tua. Talia was, I think, a 2019 kid. Correct? Maybe. That sounds Let me find it here real quick. He was a, he was class of, where's it at? Let me find it here. Where's, what class? That's his recruiting grade. I can probably find it. What year was he? 
Okay, high school. He was part of the class of 2019. So 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. So he's a fifth-year senior now, and he redshirted as a freshman at Alabama, which okay. means he would have a sixth year due to COVID. Mm-hmm. So he could come back. He could go somewhere, but that is not a guy that I would look at um, for Notre Dame in the portal at all. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Just not my thing. All right. Uh Lance Hub says, is there any players not an award semifinalist list that you feel should be Notre Dame's be from Notre Dame's teams besides Audrick Estime? Ryan, other than Xavier Watts for the Thorpe, is there any I don't know that there's anybody else. Like um yeah. I don't know. Joe Walton feels like he's gonna clean up and yeah. yeah I, like I, I think Howard Cross was on the verge of maybe being in some of those conversations, but he hasn't been as quite as statistically productive down the stretch as he yeah. was at times during the season. Not that he's not playing well, but he just hasn't been as, you know, uh, the, the not look guys, numbers matter to this kind of stuff. And in the last four games, Howard Cross has a total of one tackle for loss. Well, he's also not a, he's just not like a flashy guy, right? right. Like you love him because he's like relentless and he's consistent, right. which is awesome. But like, right. he's got what well, he's got like six tackles for loss in a sack on the year. It's like, yeah, that's yeah. not, that's, that's not numbers. right. Yeah. It's not going to get you there. Um, so um, unless you're a like, Terrence Cody nose tackle type of guy like right, like Jordan Davis a few years that. ago where yeah. he right. he was like I think he was at like five tackles for loss two sacks on the season but was a yeah. you know in those awards because like Jalen Carter was another guy that didn't have knock your sock off, socks off stats uh, at at Georgia last year he was um, seven tackles for loss last season he had eight and a half and fifteen games a year before but the 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 dominance wasn't about the production it was about just that dominance yeah. because the way they played him it was you dominate so the linebackers can go make those plays right you're going to blow stuff right. up that's not what Howard Cross is asked to do no. so um I don't think he deserves it I mean Xavier Watts is really the only now I'll say this Mitchell Evans had he not got hurt to me flat out would have been or should have been a Mackey finalist yeah. but you know he yeah. got hurt at a time where he just wasn't able to kind of keep building on what he was doing but um yeah, he he would have been in that conversation, Ryan, if not for yeah. the injury. Al Golden was on the Broyles award list, right? I mean, That's I know right. we're talking about players, but like, yeah, he. I mean, he yeah. deserves recognition in that department, in my opinion. So yeah. he's earned it. There's no doubt. He's definitely earned it. I was trying to think about this because it's Broyles usually goes to coordinators, right? Doesn't it usually normally go to coordinators? Usually, yeah. Yeah. I'll say the the only other guy to me that would that on the Notre Dame staff that you could argue being in conversation for that is Mike Mickens, obviously. If we're talking about just pure assistant coach or not just coordinator, I mean, the job he's done at cornerback with Notre Dame is just tremendous. All right. And we had Serena Spies, 22, says French apple pie a la mode or lemon meringue pie. I'm a French apple guy, like me some apple pie. We talked about this on the Monday or the uh, Friday recruiting hour, but I'm a classic apple pie guy. I do love lemon, but I'm actually not a lemon meringue type of guy. Typically, I'm more like a lemon square lemon curd type of guy than a lemon meringue type of guy so i'm not a i'm not a lemon fan overall and i don't like meringue my grandma would make chocolate pies for thanksgiving and i would always take a slice and then slide the meringue right off the top and eat it without it i'm not a big meringue guy but yeah i I love i love pie i love apple pie and cherry pie those are my two favorites i'll do pumpkin pie if it's there and it's good but i'm not a big fan of pumpkin pie either and I actually like pecan pie, Ryan, but for some reason, it's just, it's really too sweet for me. Like it's really not, not sweet. It's not, 
it's too rich for me normally it's just a little too a little too sugary flavor for me at least the ways that i've had in the past but like i said i'll, I'll do a pumpkin pie but it's just kind of like eh you know it's there it's thanksgiving i don't want to be rude yeah. but we don't get pumpkin pie at our house or when we when we have when we have pie so yep that's that's mine well, what's your favorite dessert ryan Oh, I get made fun of all the time, but I've talked about this. Carrot cake is carrot cake. That's right. I can't hate on you, man. My freshman year at Methodist College, I literally had bologna sandwiches and carrot cake for for lunch and dinner every day because that's the only thing that was edible at the school cafeteria. It was terrible, yeah. but it was actually a really good carrot cake. If a carrot, yeah. I, I'm I, I wouldn't say that I just love carrot cake no matter what, but if you can make a good moist carrot cake, I can dig that with good yeah. frosting. I can dig that. Because it's one of the few, it's one of the few desserts I like where you actually have like a little bit of a cream cheese topping that I actually yeah. like. I don't normally like che cre che uh, cream cheese toppings, but I, some of the carrot cake toppings I've had have, have been pretty good in that regard. We had JHT nineteen eighty eight. Brian, are there defensive cover schemes Notre Dame has struggled, especially struggled against? Seems like when teams play zone quarters, they perform much better and really struggle against man. Thoughts. Well, I don't think that they struggle against man as much as they as they just don't. To me, that's where the coaching issue has been the problem. So yeah, they struggle, but it's the struggle is not because of I think they they lack the talent to struggle. Ryan and I have been talking about this all year. They just don't do the things you normally do to be good man beaters. That that's the problem. You know, you're asking Rico Flores to outplay the Louisville corners on just straight go routes with no kind of release move. That's a recipe for disaster you know, to ask him as a true freshman to do that. So I think it's been more scheme related than anything else, but no, I mean, Ryan, the stuff they've struggled against has been man. There's, there's no man against good teams. There's been some teams yeah. that have played Navy tried to play a lot of man against Notre Dame. It didn't go very well. You know what sure. I mean? On the outside, uh, uh, NC state played a lot of man against Notre Dame and Notre Dame ripped them for some big plays. Uh, but other games, obviously they've struggled more against man coverage. Clemson played a lot of man uh, struggled, Ohio yep. State played some man, struggled. They struggled, uh, but um, yeah, I mean zones. They've been, they've done better against, but there's been some zone. I don't I don't consider Duke a heavy man team, Ryan. Do you? I think they're an aggressive they zone team. They mix. Um, yeah. And and Notre Dame struggled against both against them because they do a good job of in their zones. They beat you up outside, and I think that's what that's what makes their stuff effective. But um, yeah, it's it's more so against more aggressive coverages is what I would say. Like Wake played off coverage almost the whole game. And when they did come up and press, that's not normally what they do. They tried to press at times and Notre Dame's guys whooped them because that's just not normally what Wake does. They played out of their comfort zone, but they played a lot of off-man coverage and then Notre Dame took advantage of it and, um, and, and did well against it. So I think your analysis is pretty, pretty fair. Pretty I, I don't, I don't think we should be shocked when you throw a player into the boundary to win one-on-one -on -one and they are not a speed demon or they don't have great length and they're not able to win vertically. And yeah. but that has nothing again to do with that player. That has to do with people being asked to do things that they shouldn't be asked right. to be doing. So. Did, did you notice who they had in the boundary on the uh, touchdown pass to Jaden Greathouse? Like trying to visualize it in my mind. Um, no, I, I don't think off the top of my head. Jordan Faison. 
He's on. Yeah. Right. It's similar to what you and I talked about last week, right? We said, hey, you know, put Chris Tyree outside and then put Jane Greathouse in the slot yeah. for certain looks. Put speed outside. Well, they yeah. chose yeah. to go with Jordan Faison, which is, I don't care. It's the same thing. You're putting a fast guy outside. And it did a great job because he cleared, like, if they would have had Rico Flores into the boundary on that play, I don't know right. if it works as well because can Rico take the top off as quickly as Jordan Faison did? I, I don't know the answer to that. Would that have then forced Jaden to come a little flatter? which would have allowed the safety to redirect and get back under. I, I don't know, uh, but um, they certainly, they certainly did some good things in that yep. regard by mixing up their personnel a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if you don't, ha- if you don't have a guy outside right now in the boundary that you love from a length and speed combination, putting speed outside, you can loosen things up. You need to be able to loosen up and get the middle of the field open. Yep. Agree. We had Jay Henry with a question. Is there any chance we could see Keedron Young or Cam Williams as kick returner or punt returner next year? I don't know about Keedron, but yeah. I don't know how much I love the idea of Cam Williams as a kick returner. I just don't like tall kick returners. I And it's not because they can't be good at it. I just, I, I worry about their safety getting undercut, getting their, their knees chopped because a lot of those kicks on a lot of guys go low on kick return tackles. I just worry about that a little bit, but can Cam be a dynamic kick returner? Sure. Uh, I just, I just think you kind of, you have a pretty dynamic explosive kick returner now. And I think it'd be kind of hard for anyone to replace that punt returner. Maybe is going to be a different story. Cause to me, Chris Tyree did a really nice job in a couple games as the punt returner, but I don't think he's been so good that even if he returns, he should have that locked down next year. I would open that up. Yeah. I would open that up. Yeah. He catches um, everything up by his face mask. It really yeah. terrifies me every single time. And um, and at times we've seen him, we've muffed a couple, and he he still struggles to gauge whether to catch it or not. So to me, I would still love to see Jeremiah Love as a punt yeah. returner at some point. Yeah, I'd still love to see it. The, the point is, Ryan, to me, punt returner should be open next year, yeah. and even if Chris comes back. Uh, Jeremiah Love is one. Jadarian Price is one. Uh, Micah Bell is one. Cam Williams would be one. Um, Aeneas Williams potentially, although I don't know that I, um, you know, I, I don't know that I could say that I've seen him return a lot of punts this year. I I just haven't watched it a lot. He I haven't does, watched senior film a lot. Everything. Um, it's nuts, but, man. You know, he's another guy that's got that thick lower build. That's got some shake. That, you know, you need a guy that can break tackles initially. I mean, Chris Tyree's eighty-something yard touchdown run. He had to break two tackles initially. You almost always have to break at least one or two tackles on a kick return or have some kind of shake where you can quickly redirect like Zachariah Branch did against Notre Dame. So Aeneas has some of that. There's plenty of options. There's plenty of talented guys back there. Christian Gray was a pretty good punt returner in high school. Uh, Jaden Greathouse. Jaden Greathouse is another guy that I'd look at as a punt returner. I'm surprised they haven't looked at him this season. I, I wonder if they would have had he not gotten hurt in the middle of the year and had the I, I thought I thought he I thought he was taking some punt return duties yeah. in like fall camp, I think, right before the season I'm, started. That's why I'm wondering yeah. if the hamstring injury kind of eliminated him from a candidate there but um you know and then of course jordan Faison is another one Faison looks pretty comfortable out there man he's another one that should be back there so there should to me should be an absolutely fierce battle at punt returner for next year yeah and um kick returner to me is just that's a little bit more of a you know i'd love to have jeremiah love and janarian price back there kind of like pick which one you want to kick it to yeah i would love to see that that would be explosive I agree. 
PK with the question, what can be done to improve Notre Dame tackling skills for next year? We talked about like the natural ones from the development perspective, as far as like, why are you recruiting the way you are PK? It's to get longer, to get more athletic and longer, more athletic guys tend to not miss as many tackles, right? Like that's just because they have a bigger tackle radius. They're able to cut, you know, cut the ground between them and the attack and the ball carrier a ton more. So I think just naturally it's going to improve over time. I think, look, I, we, we have, we have defended the, the, jd bertrand slander on this podcast but like jd is going to miss tackles at times why because he's not incredibly long he's just not i think drake bone will miss less tackles than jd just based upon his body composition and his explosiveness i think that that's just going to what's going to happen next so yes attention to detail coaching him up all that great stuff but next year defensively you're going to be a lot younger but you're going to be a lot longer and a lot more athletic so some of those things might improve a little bit like you might not be in the great best spot all the time but you are going to be maybe more equipped to finishing plays at the ball when you do get there i'm going to make an assumption and i want you to tell me if i'm correct or not correct ryan with the exception of the occasional time where you were just playing somebody who's just like you said maybe way longer way better yeah uh more athletic than you when you had missed tackles in high school did it did a lot if you think about it, did a lot of the time have to do with I just wasn't quite where I needed to be yet, whether yeah. it be because I was there's a and that's the big thing for me. There has to be a level of making sure that your defense is to the point where the players know exactly where they need to be. And that's going to be a big thing with a younger group next year. That that's a big like look, start with a foundation of hey, we can't have a million things in right now. We've got to build a foundation that these kids know. Because when yep. you start getting these kids thinking, best way to slow down Jalen Sneed and Drake Bowen, make them think. And Jaden Osbury, make them think a lot, right? Where it's not just re- read and react, which means putting too much on their plate. You're going to have to think early. But I'm talking about when you start to get to the point where you're putting game plans together. Because that's the biggest thing is when this team has been really certain of, hey, here's where we need to be and what we need to do, your chances of making a clean tackle are enhanced. Then when you add to that what Ryan's talking about, longer players, faster players, more lower body explosiveness in certain positions. Like with all due respect to DJ Brown, as long as the Don Schuler's technique is correct, he's just going to be a better tackler than DJ Brown. Why? He's a better athlete. He's a more, he's just a more naturally powerful player. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch a Don Ryan. I'm, I'm not sure if you had a chance to go through the all 22 yet of the, of the game, yeah, not, not as but much, dude, not. he, every time I watch him, it's the same thing. This guy moves a lot different than I thought. Like I always knew he was going to be a thumper, but his speed has really impressed me compared to what I thought it was going to be. But that's a big part of it. Why is he going to be better than DJ Brown, in my opinion, at, at some point in his career? And this is no disrespect to DJ Brown, who's been a solid player this year, because he's just a better athlete, a more explosive athlete, and a longer athlete, and and a more powerful athlete. That factors in too, because sometimes Ryan, you can take I can take the best high school you know linebacker in my county who's 5'10", 195 pounds, and teach him. He could be the smartest, best technique in the world, but if he's 5'10", 195 pounds, runs a 4'8", and I put him at Notre Dame, he's going to miss a lot of freaking tackles, sure. right? Because there comes a point in time where it's, it's also like, are you are you better than the guy across from you? Or he's and, not going to get off the blocks very well either. So Yeah. yeah. Like, what, what, did that kid, what could that kid from Syracuse have done any different last year against Aldrich Estime? He came low. He had a good angle. It just he's not very long, and Aldrich face planted him. 
don't know what else that kid could have done because the dude that face planted him was just a way better football player than he was. And that's sort of where Ryan's coming from. Is this the talent, the overall length, talent, just the talent profile next year is going to be so much better. It's just going to be yep. young. It's going to be very, very young. Let me read this one, Ryan, because this is more for you. Ryan, yep. with opt-out season nearly upon us, are there any players outside of Audric that might opt out of the bowl game and doesn't matter who the opponent is, a.k.a. LSU? I mean, I'm not sure about the latter, Lance, because I think that there's some merit to, like, if you're playing in LSU, for instance, and Brian Kelly, there's, like, a revenge payback season type of feel. So, like, maybe that could change things. As for, like, the NFL conversation, the only player that I would say that would probably not play, and, again, like, this is only speculative, but, like, Joe Walt doesn't need to play. He has nothing else to show to you. Like, if you're an NFL evaluator, like, I don't need to see Joe Walt play in a bowl game. That doesn't do anything for me. Like, you're good, man. You're good. I've seen two and a half years of film on you, and you're good to go here. So Joe Walt's the guy that I think makes the most sense as far as, like, opt-outs. Could Sam Hartman opt out? He could. I, I don't think it's like a, I don't think it's like a foregone conclusion though. I mean, I think that would be more like a decision that's happened between the coaching staff and Sam of like, Hey Sam, like love you buddy. But like, we want to get the young guy a little bit of playing time. Are you cool with this type of thing? And then that conversation happens, but of a pure opt outs, I think Joe Walt's the guy that's most likely to opt out, you know, maybe cam Hart to avoid injury. But other than that, I think Joe Walt's the guy that I'd look at outside of Aldrick. My conversation with Sam is, look, I, I understand the desire to play younger guys, but Notre Dame has to win. So I think for me, the way that the opponent could matter to me, Ryan, is my conversations as the coach might change depending on who we're playing. Yeah. If we're playing an LSU or an Ole Miss or a team like that, I would, I would want to strongly consider trying to make sure that some of those guys do play. Brandon just made a point too. Another guy that I am almost kind of – Here's the problem. I don't know if he'll want to do this, but I would sit down with Cam Hart and have a really heart-to-heart conversation about him sitting out. I mentioned him as the other guy that's possible. Yeah, yeah. like that's the one for me because and, – and it's just – it's like what you said about Joe Walt. What else can Cam Hart prove right now? I mean, if you're playing LSU and, and, and Malik Neighbors is going to play – that might actually be something that could be attractive to Cam because, like, look, let me go lock down one of the best receivers in college football, and maybe that'll boost my my stock up. But, you know, we've seen him against Marvin Harrison and, you know, some really good football players the last couple of years. We've seen him perform. We know who he is. And and uh, But if he wants to play, I'd let him play. That's, that's kind of how I feel about all these guys. I don't know that there's anyone that I would say, nah, you're not going to play. Leave. Sure. Uh, but again, part of it's your opponent. I mean, if, if, yeah, it's just, it's going to be dependent on who you play. It's, I'm talking about from a coaching standpoint. More, you took, you looked at from the player standpoint. I'm looking at it from the coaching yeah. standpoint because Notre Dame has to win that ball game, in my opinion. Like, sure. this is not one of those that doesn't matter. I, I they've got to, they've got to get to 10 wins. Got to get to 10 wins. So to me, that would, um, would be a, Another one. There's another kind of NFL question related down here, Ryan. That I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you one when one for or one for the Gipper says, is this the most talented Notre Dame team as far as NFL draft picks? I count seven that will get drafted if all declare. Well, I don't well, like I don't even know what the record is for Notre Dame players getting drafted. I mean, for it's the much guys that than I, seven. Yeah, well, for the guys that I think will get drafted. To your question, Aldrich Estime will get drafted. Mitchell Evans probably would have got drafted, but he's most likely going to come back now with the injury. 
Jawalt's going to be a high first round pick. Offensively, I think that's, I mean, like Blake Fisher's a conversation if he declares, but like one, Blake Fisher should not declare. And two, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Blake Fisher gets drafted if he does declare. I don't think the film's been as that good. That's like a foregone conclusion. I disagree with that. On the defensive side of the football, if Riley Mills comes out, I think he gets drafted. If Howard Cross comes out, I think he gets drafted. Javante Jean-Baptiste, maybe, but it's a little bit of a borderline guy. Do you think he has to test well? Because I know you've liked what he's done on film this year, Javante Jean-Baptiste. Like, do you think testing could impact that, or is it just about people have to like fall in love with his film or not? I mean, I think think it's a little bit of everything. Like, this is his first year as a full-time player, and you want to see, you know, the obviously the film. I think the film's been good, uh, but – you know, overall upside that the defensive end edge position is just a position in general that like is so like people talk about the testing numbers being super overrated and they are for several positions, but for edge, I actually kind of very much disagree about that. Like if you look at the guys mm-hmm. that have become standouts or just stars in the NFL, they're usually those, those freaks that we talk about, right? Those guys that are incredibly athletic, incredibly twitchy because they are, in one-on-one situations a lot, they have to be twitchy. They have to be athletic. So I think that that's going to be determined. I'll say that he's a borderline guy, though. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets drafted. I also wouldn't be shocked if he's a priority-free agent. I mean, I think that you're there in that type of situation. Cam Hart would that will definitely be drafted, in my opinion, as long as the medicals check out. And then Xavier Watts, if he declares, will get drafted. So I think six guys is more the number potentially this year than seven. You said Cam Hart, Could be too, seven. Right? Yep, I just said Cam Hart. And then, uh, well, I, I forgot Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman will yeah. most likely be drafted. Here's right? a like crazy he yeah. Here's a crazy stat for you, Ryan. Javante Jean-Baptiste right now, according to Pro Football Focus, has 31 pressures on 261 total pass rushes. Yep. The last two years, Isaiah Foskey had 33 and 32. Now, he mm-hmm. hasn't got to the quarterback as much as Isaiah did, obviously. But I did find that that number surprising. And you wonder, like, man, if he just could have just closed on the, like, actually got more hits and sacks on the quarterback, like, what I, that would have done. But he, I, I th- he's been disruptive back, a lot of the year. Yeah. I think yeah. that comes down to the athletic profile, though, the right? As far as being able right. to finish. Yeah. Right. right. That last step of explosiveness that can come into getting to that point. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think he's won on a lot of length and savviness this year. That's, that's what I think's helped him. Um, but that doesn't necessarily, move the needle if you're talking about an NFL team, unless that savviness leads to a lot of stats. Cause like I could point to some guys over the last 20 years, Ryan, that that weren't what you said, weren't twitchy or whatever, but those guys are anomalies. You know, you're going to find the occasional guy like that. That's the anomaly. But like when you look through the, like when you think of the Broncos, when they won the Super Bowl in 2015, I mean, DeMarcus Ware, even as an older player was still a pretty freaky athlete. Sure. Well, and, and the guys that aren't freaky athletes are guys that are super, super productive, right? Like that's the kind of guys you're looking at. So, yeah, it's possible to succeed in the NFL at the edge position if you aren't the freakiest of athletes of all time. But those guys are usually incredibly productive, right? Because they kind of win in the other finer areas. And for me, like Javante has had a really good season, I would say even. I wouldn't even say good. I think he's been really good for Notre Dame. But... He's not the most impressive athlete of all time. And I don't think he's, he hasn't been incredibly productive as far as finishing plays. And I think that that could hold him back from being drafted. It'll be close though. Again, if he goes sixth or seventh round, would I be shocked? Nah, I wouldn't. I mean, literally last year he had a draftable grade from the NFL, 
but this draft is a little bit different. This is a deeper draft than what it was last year. I actually think he had a better chance of get, getting drafted last year than this year, potentially, because I just think the draft class is a little deeper. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I think there was one more um, draft-wise, Ryan. Two years ago, Notre Dame had nine guys drafted. Or three I, years I ago, after, after, the, after the 2020 season, Notre Dame had nine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that team, because and, and, I'm not going to speak to the draft part as much. I'm just giving you some numbers. Uh, yep. That t- draft class also had uh, Brock Wright and um, Tommy Kramer, who were not who didn't get drafted, but made NFL teams and have started games in the NFL. Uh, so, because that team had I- Eichenberg, Banks, Owusu, Koromoa, Tremble, Hainsey, all were day two draft picks. Then you had Book, Dalen Hayes, Adi Takuba Ogundiji, and Ben Skoranek. So you had nine guys get drafted. Um, and then they had seven get drafted after the 2015 season. And then they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven after the 2013 season. Uh, but Notre Dame back in the 90s had some deep draft classes. In 1994, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys get drafted. 93 had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So in 93-94, you had, seven, you had uh, 19 guys get drafted, including seven first-round first picks. Mm-hmm. So to me, it, it wasn't just the numbers, but you had high Volume. draft picks. <laughs> and, and I think you and I agree, the only guy that's going to sniff the first round this year is, is Joe Walt. I'm hoping that Cam Hart can sneak into day two if the medicals check out. Fingers crossed. It's possible, uh, but I, I don't see him jumping in around one for a, a number of reasons, most of which have nothing to do with how good of a player he is. Um, but talent wise, no, this is not Notre Dame's most talented team. If you consider talent to be a combination of experience plus talent because plus athleticism, because that factors into your talent. Um, but it's it's one of the more athletic teams that Notre Dame has had in a very long time. The problem is some of their best athletes aren't playing because they're young. You know, Micah Bell, Christian Gray, uh, Braylon James, Jeremiah Love. Those guys aren't playing as much as they as they did. But um, no, I don't think this team's anywhere close. This team is in the most talented team they've had in ten years. If you look at top end talent, I think where this where Ryan and I talked during the season is this is one of the deepest. Notre Dame teams we've seen in a long time. But I would argue most of the high-level NFL players, the guys who could potentially be day one, two draft picks, most of them are not draft eligible. And and some of them won't be for a couple years. That's when I think you're going to start to see really, if the development is good enough, that's going to be where you see this team take a big jump in the next couple years to where they start putting out more and more and more high level guys but also better numbers in my opinion sure. that's 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 where i think the recruiting is going to when you see the, the Marcus Freeman recruiting classes become draft eligible Ryan to me that's when you're going to start to see Notre Dame's draft numbers go way up i'm not sure if i mean i, I think you and i are on the same page on that when we yeah, start looking recruit, at like the 23 recruit and the better, 24 better develop classes. talent better and yeah agreed yeah 